First question, in Buddhism, do you have to listen to your parents even if they do not practice the teaching of Buddhism? How could I deal with feelings of guilt? I think when you say feelings of guilt, it's the feelings of guilt of not listening to your parents. And you know what happens? Some, some parents yell at their children and say, go to hell. Do you go to hell? <laughs> when your parents say, hit the road and never come back. Do you hit the road actually and never come back? You have to have your own judgment, your own wisdom. Parents are not 100% right. Parents are the same as everybody. Yeah, they could exercise the wrong judgment. They could be biased. And I'm sure you're intelligent enough to know what is biased and what is not biased. And you may not, but then most people do. I have two scenarios of parents who are biased. There are parents who advise their daughter and say, I saw you going with that Caucasian boy. I don't like Caucasian, I, I'm Chinese. I, I, you know, I, I, you, when, when you get married, I like you to marry to a Chinese. I don't want, I don't want you to marry to a white guy. No, I can't stand that. The people, their, their parents are like that. It does not matter whether that person is good or bad morally, or, or it's just he's white, he's not yellow. So you think, are you going to listen to him? And if you don't do that, you'll be guilty? There's one scenario. Another scenario is there's a white family saying that don't mix up with the Chinese guys. Don't marry a Chinese girl. That's bias. There are bad guys in the Chinese, and there are bad guys in the Caucasian. We're all the same. Culturally, we may be a little different, but everybody is as different as any, everybody else. Why do you have bias? So, are you going to listen to parents who are biased in that way? You should have your own judgment. Don't make assumptions either. The other day, there was an argument between two people right in front. And uh, the argument, if I can summarize, is something like this. How can you believe in someone who is not a god? Buddha is only a teacher. He's only human. He's not God. I believe in God. So why would you believe in a human and not in a god? My god is a god and your, your, your Buddha is only a human. You should believe in God and not in a human. He's making assumption. He's assuming that God is God. His God is God. So he based everything on an assumption that may be erroneous. He already assumed that his God is the real God. In the meaning of the English language, God is better than human. When you explain to people like that, they're not logically sound. You really have to apply a lot of efforts to explain things, to explain, your, explain yourself. And... Um, Sometimes you say, uh, Reverend, can you, do, can you explain it to him? I said, no. If I find that it's difficult to deal with, I just walk away. I'm not going to continue the explanation. 
Sometimes you cannot continue the conversation because if you know that person is biased, you better walk away first. Cool it down and show it by your own conduct, show it by many other ways. Don't try to win others in a heated conversation. If you're a Buddhist, if you believe in any other religion, don't involve in a religious dispute, in argument. No one is going to win. Don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion. No one is going to win. You can only show, most of the time you show it by your conduct. If you see you as a Roman Catholic, as someone who cares, who's compassionate, who's considerate, and you're charismatic and you are really good, he believed in that religion by your conduct, not by your words. A trace of conduct speaks 10,000 words. You can never win in words. You can never win the heart in words by your conduct. So I'm not saying that always don't listen to your parents. No. Your parents could be biased. And sometimes your parents could be right and you are biased. Your question is, in Buddhism, do you have to listen to your parents? Period. We can answer questions like that. I can say, in Buddhism, you do not have to listen to your parents, no? There's no such thing as, in Buddhism, you should do this and you should do that, no? Second question is a long question. Very good handwriting. I have a good friend who, in her childhood, experienced a tragedy that affected her. Since high school, she has been very depressed. Now, 15 years later, she lives her life saying there is no point to anything and she is very negative. She is intelligent and able-bodied, so it is hard to watch her let her life pass by in this way. From a Buddhist perspective, what advice can I give to help her find peace and positivity? It's a tough job to do. First of all, you have to equip yourself with sufficient Buddhist teaching to substantiate how you're going to talk to her. Now, let's analyze her situation. She experienced a tragedy that affected her in childhood. It could be many things. Abusive childhood, many, many things could happen. Um, why are some children abused and why some are not? It's all conditional causality. It's all karma. I'm giving probable scenarios to explain this. It could be that that lady, I say, well, for the sake of talking about it, say Mary, Mary, eh? Mary uh, had a tough, had a, a tragic uh, childhood because in her previous life, she did something wrong to her mom or to her dad. Her dad was her daughter, and she was the mother of her daughter. So in other words, there are some unfinished business in previous life. And she, Mary, abused the parent before, when the parent was in another form, with a relative, family members. And now, she or he is just coming back to get even. He's just claiming whatever uh, you have neglected. She's just claiming the debt that, that you owe her. It's just getting the credit and the debit's balance. There's a lot of liability you owe her. You owe her, for example, 
emotional liability. You've been abusing her. You have been oh, you're beating her up. You 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 were not responsible. You were alcoholic, and you you did that, and she had a miserable life. And now she's coming back to get you, to do the same thing to you. So you are the creator of your own fate. Now in that situation, what do you do? You must willingly pay up the debt. You owe the money. You should pay the debt, emotionally or monetarily. Because you've done that to her, to him, and now you're just paying it off. And once that is paid off, it's good. You pay off the debt. But to some people, if you didn't understand the Buddhist teaching in about this balancing, he still hang on to the agonizing past. She still live in the past. What a pity. The past is gone. It will never come back again. Why does she still? Involved in not letting go of the agonizing past, it will never come back again. It's gone, but she like to hang on to it, never let it go. There's an agony that she always wants to remember, and every time when she remember, she had hatred, anger. She wanted the revenge. She become negative. The past is already gone, but to her, it's still there. She had to learn to let go of the past. Why do we meditate here and now? What is here? Here is concerning space. What is now? Now is concerning time. We say, don't hang on to a thought, a notion of the agonizing past. Use the method of that object only. You concentrate not in the past, abusive childhood. You concentrate right here, right now, now at that present moment. On your object of focus, because you make a big mistake of always focusing on the past, which is which would never come back again. Why are we still agonizing on it? Poor, poor, poor! You're torturing yourself. You told me your girlfriend is intelligent. If she's intelligent, she wouldn't have hang on to something that would never come back again. Would you? If you're intelligent, would you still hang on to your miserable past? For that reason, if you're intelligent, would you still hang on to your joyous past? Some people say, "Oh, I'm poor now. I used to be rich. I used to have one billion dollars. Now, because of gambling, I squandered it away. Oh,、um, I had an enjoyable past." You hang on to your past. You thought the past was enjoyable. The past is gone. Whether it's miserable or pleasurable or neutral, it's gone. So that's the reason why we're practicing right here and right now. If you're intelligent, don't attach to that miserable past. Carry on. Go forward. Proceed. Put your knapsack on your back and march. Don't go back. You stumble and fall. We're still crying over the stumbling. Oh, I'm falling. I got my knees broken. Oh, I'm crying. I'm crying. You wipe your blood, your sweat, put in your knapsack, and you keep on going. You're just a fool if you're still sitting there and crying. Are you intelligent? Are you telling me she's intelligent? She's not. She like to hang on. She like to attach. Should never let go. 
Can you tell her that? Letting it go? And there are so many reasons. The reason why your dad treated you that way is because you treated her in your previous life the same. Maybe even worse. Now we're just paying it off. Why did your husband divorce you? Why did your girlfriend let go of you? You did the same thing to him. The other day there was a, a lady, 35 years old, and came up to me miserably with, with, with tears in his eyes, and she said, my husband wanted a divorce, and uh, we finished the paper yesterday. I signed. I said, congratulations. <laughs> You're only free. You're not, you don't have any human bondage anymore. You're free. You lost your girlfriend, you don't have a boyfriend, you are free. We're talking about titles of a land title. We're talking about if you have a, a big piece of art, there's no title to the big piece of art. When you're talking talk about land, there's a land register to register that title. But if we're talking about a, a, a masterpiece of art, you don't have title to it. But I thought of another thing that has a title to it. That's that marriage certificate. You owe each other with ownership. You don't have to own it. That blind ownership is what we call marriage. Some people say marriage is the ending grave of love. Yeah. So congratulations if you are divorced. You don't have a husband, that's good. You don't have a wife, that's good. You are free. You are free to practice. You're not free to do relationship. You're free to practice. Talk to her regarding karma. Talk to her saying that if you did something bad to your mom in your previous life, of course she treated you like that, to your dad and treated you like that, because nobody can get away with karma. Can you escape from karma? What is karma anyway? What is karma? Karma is action and doing. Every thought, every action, every speech generates karma from you. And that karmic energy would lead you with conditional causality to where you will be going. What you are suffering now is because of your own karma. What you are enjoying is also because of your own karma. So you're the master of your own karma, your faith, your own fate. And Dhammapada, a very famous sutra, says, what did it say about escaping from karma? Some people ask, ask the Buddha, what's the best way to escape from a karma, from karmic energy? How can I escape? And it says, not in the sky, nor in mid-ocean, or entering a mountain cave, it's found that place on earth where one can escape from the consequence of an evil deed. You can't get away. You can run, you can't get away. You can't get away from karma. Be careful of every action you did, every thought generates from your mind, every speech. You can't get away with it. Nobody can, not even the Buddha. Only when you are free and pure of karma can you become the Buddha. Your actions, speeches, and thinking of the past and the present life have become latent energies 
for reincarnation. And that's the reason why we incarnate in the six paths of reincarnations. The three vicious paths and the three virtuous paths. The three vicious paths being hell, hungry ghosts, and animals. Those are the three vicious paths. There's three virtuous realms. is humans, heavenly beings, and azuras. Who determine where you should go? Not God. Certainly not Buddha. You. You dictate your own future. You determine where you're going. Nobody can go for you. Nobody can not going for you. It's scary that you've been creating a lot of karma in your life and you don't know about it. You can't get away with it. You've been doing all these foolish relationships between men and women. You can get away with that? No. The only way you can do is repent. I don't want to do those things again. And not again. That was slowly putting you on the right track. So repentance is the way to go. I've been stealing, I've been killing, I've been greedy and I've created all this karma. You can't get away with it. There's a saying in Chinese, only when our time is up do we realize that we've been living in a, in a dream. When we're when we dying, we know, oh, everything is but a dream. You know, I, all this number of years, I live up to, now I'm 80 or 90 or 100. It's just a longer dream than others. It's a dream. And there's nothing I can bring with me. I'm coming to the end of a dream. I, I can bring nothing with me except what? My own karma. My own karma I can bring. I still remember that movie, Ghosts. Have you seen that movie? Patrick Swayze say to, to Molly in the movie. He says, Mo Molly, I feel wonderful. I can bring the love with me. On the other hand, everybody bring karma with them. He's, he's bringing all this love. So love is still something that we shouldn't have brought, we shouldn't bring, but love it's still an attachment, but that's better than evil deeds. When your time is up, nothing you can bring with you. Not your bank account, not, not your shawnessy home, not your boat, not your car, not your diamond ring, not your bank book. Only your own karma. So why didn't you spend the money on charity and build up some good karma? You've been spending money that's what, on drinks, on food, on footing around, on holidays. And you're so, you, you don't want to spend money to build good karma. You only want to better yourself using the money for your own enjoyment. You don't want to render good karma. You, want to, you don't want to build up good karma. That's the reason why people become very generous because they understand the logic, the concept behind karmic energy. What is good, bouncing out, bounce back to you is good. What is bad, going out, bounce back is bad. You know why some people are penniless? They don't want to give in their previous lifetime. They are misers. They have a million dollars in their account. They don't even give out 10,000. Too much. But 10,000 to buy a boat, a car, 35000 60000 to buy a BMW, Mercedes, you name them. He, he liked enjoying that, but we would never like to, to give money to the poor. 
So build up good karma. Even as long as, in, in, in some sutras, even as long as thousands of years, some sutra sets, your karmic energy will not vanish. When conditions are ripe, you realize the effect. You think you've rendered something good to a person, you help a person out, and that is wasted, that energy is wasted, it bounces back with energy to you. So always be compassionate. It bounces back to you. The whole world is, you should live in a, in, in a world of joy if you're giving out joy. Why are you living in a, a world of misery? You're living in a world where you're always considering, oh, I'm, I've been abused, I have a terrible childhood, I have a tragedy, because you never bounced out. If you look, I had a lady many, many years ago when I was that, in that shrine, uh, yeah, talking about abusive childhood. I talked to her about karmic energy, and she started to cry. She said, I bottled that up. And there was a lady, I think she was a real estate, a, a, quite a successful real estate agent, very young, about 31, 32. And uh, she came over in, in, in the shrine there, Buddhist Siddhagapa shrine. And she started to, to cry when she entered the room. And I wanted to find out why she was crying, to explain to me about a childhood that was tragedy. Of course, I didn't want to ask private uh, things about how tragedy it is. I don't have to ask. I don't want to, I don't want to intrude into privacy of other affairs, but I know there's a, a, a tragedy, tragedy of the childhood. So I explained to her about karma causal relationship and all that. Um, after she listened to it, she said, I feel relieved. She started to cry. Maybe I did the same thing to my dad before. And now she's just taking it back. That's good. That's the good point of being a monk on site. You get, you're, you're always ready to help. 